great to have you here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you and that wallet of yours. I want you to learn ideas to me so you can keep more of what you make. Clark.com is our main web address, and ClarkDeals.com, where you go to save money each and every day. Coming up in just a few minutes, it's hard to believe, but it's been right around a decade I never would have known if it weren't for seeing an item in Market Watch since the Bernie Madoff scandal first came to life. The huge Ponzi scheme, the all-time record Ponzi scheme in the United States. I got something crazy to tell you in today's Clark Rage related to Bernie Madoff and how it affects you and your wallet. And later yet, if you like listening to audiobooks, you like reading, how about being able to easily do so for free? I'm going to tell you what you need to know. So, what I'm about to share with you, first I'll read the headline. There's a study done by one of those Washington think tanks that found that one in five households in the United States have potentially a negative net worth. Zero or negative, meaning that your sum total of everything you have versus everything you owe, that you owe more than what you have, even overriding any assets you have. That is very disturbing if you think about it. You know, I talked recently about a study that found that nearly half of Americans couldn't handle a relatively minor financial emergency, which is one that's a few hundred dollars. So this is hard. This is hard. You know, income levels have been rising in the United States of late, but there's a split going on in the country that is one that is pretty sobering, and it's this, that used to be we were overwhelmingly a solid middle-class country. If you ask somebody how they were doing, you know where they were, they would say they were middle-class. People who even weren't middle-class thought they were middle-class. But what's happened today is that the country's splitting into three groups. An amazingly large number of higher income individuals and families, a roughly equal number of people who are low income, and then an ever shrinking number of people that are middle class. There are a number of reasons for it. Uh, Primarily, it is the decline of jobs that were unionized in the U.S., The jobs that very heavily tilted towards being in union professions were uh, intense factory work, as an example. And by intense, I mean where you had a massive labor force. I remember as a kid being in an auto assembly plant. I remember it as if it was yesterday because I'd never seen anything like it. It was so amazing. And how many people it took to build those vehicles coming down a line. 
And today, you need a teensy tiny fraction of those workers to create those vehicles coming down a line because of automation, advanced technology, robots. And so the jobs that provided such decent incomes but didn't require much in the way of education have hollowed out in the economy, and as a result, the middle class has really taken it on the chin. And so I think it's so important, and I've said this so many ways, so many days, for as far back as I can remember, is I have this innate belief that we will find our way out of this through training and education. That the more we have people that are trained in skills that are needed, the more we have people that are educated through life, not just up to age 18, 22, whatever, but as a lifelong pursuit, we're going to create more winners and less people falling behind. So when I think about the reality that we have for a full generation the average American, the average American has less buying power, inflation adjusted, now than they did a generation ago. It's all about this hollowing out of the middle class. So know that I want you to have as much opportunity as possible. I want your kids, if you have kids, to have as much opportunity as possible. And looking at learning and education and training as a lifelong assignment, if you will, as a lifelong goal, is core and key to how we rebuild that vibrant middle class in the United States. Ayumi is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, how are you doing? Fine, how are you? Great, thank you. You're thinking about making a change in the roof over your head. What's the story? So the story is uh, my husband and I actually purchased a new home last year in November. So it's been almost a year, actually. And the question is, um, we just kind of realized the house is way too big for us. And mortgage kind of, it's not that we can afford it, but maybe we should downsize it. And lower the mortgage. So if, if that's the case, what is the pros and cons? So the con is there's a lot of expense. As you know, when you bought the house you're in, a lot of expense. And there's kind of an equal kind of expense if you turn around and sell that house. Okay. Has What's happened with the value in the last year, would you guess, in your neighborhood? Uh, increased. I mean, oh, it has it increased? Up. Oh, yes, it has been. So if it has increased, you can get out likely without getting hurt, would you guess? Okay. Well, I'm asking you, do you think it's gone up enough that you could cover uh, the commissions of yes, selling it, the place? it will. It will. That's fantastic. So then the question comes, where would you go next? Would you go into... Uh, 
a, an apartment? Would you go into a smaller home, a town home? Like, what are you thinking the next move would be? Because even though you are in a position where you could sell a home, you've only been in a year and not mm-hmm. get hurt. The question is, can you improve those numbers? You were talking about the mortgage being too big. Can you go somewhere and find something you'd be happy on and have a monthly lower cost? Um, yes. Um, it, it's just that, like, you know, all the time and effort and process and headache is really worth it to go through that. <laughs> well, depends. I mean, are you being restricted on things you'd like to do because of what you have to pay every month on that mortgage? Right. Uh, yeah, we definitely thinking about go for like you know, uh, single story home, then much smaller, small yard, and not two story home like we have. We have five bedrooms for only two of us. It doesn't make <laughs> no sense. <laughs> yeah, that does, and you have more utilities when you have that bigger home. It's more maintenance repairs you have to make over time. Uh, from what you said, everything you've laid out to me. It sounds like it would be a good idea to consider selling. You know what? If you put it on the market and nobody thinks it's worth what you think it's worth, Mm -hmm. then the worst that happens is you stay in the home. True. Okay. Sounds good. Thank you so much. Sure. Well, good luck in selling. Marilyn's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Marilyn. Yes, I'm here. Hi. How you doing? I'm great, thank you. So you have a question for me. It's one of the complications of the advice that I've given after the Equifax breach. Right. I froze my credit, um, but now I'm curious about getting a quote on renewing my homeowner's policy because I always thought the insurance companies graded you on your FICO score. That is true in almost every state. And in many states with many insurers, your credit score is weighted more and is considered to be a more important factor than if you drive well or not. You know, if you've had accidents or tickets, the, I know this is odd, but many times an auto insurer will give somebody with a DUI or DWI a lower premium who's got a great credit score than somebody who's had a perfect driving record but not a pristine credit. So one of the things that is an inconvenience with doing a credit freeze is when you shop for auto insurance, you're going to have to thaw your credit temporarily in order to allow that shopping to take place. And same for homeowner's insurance. Exactly. So it's better if you do the shopping for both of them at the same time. Right. Yeah, because the credit is looked at. There are insurers that believe that your credit score is by far the most important factor in setting premiums for homeowners or auto. Which, to me, makes no sense because my, paying my bills on time doesn't factor into my house burning down. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you're preaching to the choir now. I okay. don't get it, but it's how they play the game. In your state, Marilyn, how much does it cost to freeze and thaw your credit? Um, I had to pay $10 to freeze all of them. Okay. So 
in states that charge 10, many of them make thaws free. You'll find okay. out when you go to thaw if you're going to have to pay for it or not. Okay. So if, if you do have to go through the process of freezing your cre- thawing your credit, while it's thawed, I want to make sure if you set up a Credit Karma or Credit Sesame yet? No. While you have it thawed, set up one or both of those. What they allow you to do is monitor your credit continually, even when it's frozen, but you have to set them up while it's not frozen. So okay. during the time period that you're shopping for auto or homeowners, you're going to thaw it for, what, a couple of weeks? Mm-hmm. Do the additional step of doing Credit Karma and or Credit Sesame. Okay. And then you'll see your credit score whenever you want for free. And uh, Credit Karma offers identity checks where they're able to tell you if somebody's out there pretending to be you and a number of other things that you get for nothing. Okay. And I hope you end up saving a fortune on your auto and homeowners shopping for insurance. I've never understood why a credit freeze prevents, when it's, since it's not an extension for credit, why that prevents auto and homeowners insurers from checking your credit. That sounds like a flaw in how credit reporting works, but it is a problem that needs a solution. Today's Clark Rages moment sounds like a blast from the past, uh, I saw a report that the Bernie Madoff scam, the Ponzi scheme, the largest in history, was almost a decade ago. And now today, I am sad to report that Ponzi schemes like his continue every single day. Scams, rip-offs, outrages. It's a Clark Regis moment. So who knew there's something called the Ponzi scheme blog that a lawyer does? Being a lawyer, she calls it a scheme instead of a scam. And her name's Kathy Phelps in Los Angeles. And so she writes about all the Ponzi schemes that are are discovered every day. And the people who end up going to prison, the restitution they're ordered to pay that they never do. And here's the thing. On average, since Bernie Madoff was discovered, there are more than a dozen, on average, Ponzi schemes exposed every single month. Ponzi scheme is where somebody promises you, I have this great idea, you're going to own these mines in South Africa, or I'm going to give you a return of 2% a week on your money, or 2% a month, or whatever it is. And at first... With every one of these, the money does flow, and people tell other people. And before you know it, the promoter, who's usually a very pleasant, engaging, almost always a male, smooth talker, has people turning over their money, no questions asked because they want the returns. And then eventually, there's no money. Because there was no product, there was no service, there was nothing other than the promoter, the con artist, pocketing all your money, and you end up with nothing. 
You know what was wild? You think back to the Bernie Madoff thing. Most of the people who, quote unquote, invested with Bernie Madoff were extremely sophisticated individuals or organizations, most of them very wealthy. They were. So many people ended up penniless. Do not want to believe so badly that there's an easy path and do not build up that trust with that individual who promises they've got a system for you to get wealthy without risk. Because what you're guaranteeing is a certainty that you're going to end up poor. Don't do it. Do I have a deal for you? It's my pleasure to welcome you to the Clark Howard Show, where it's about you learning ways to keep more of what you make. Clark.com is our main website. Clark.com slash ask. That's where you go to ask me a question. But you know, you can get your questions answered anyway over 40 hours a week for free from a member of Team Clark, service we offer Monday to Friday, except during holidays, and because we're in that time of year, right? But anyway, if you go to Clark.com, scroll down a little, you will see the phone number and hours that free off-the-air advice is available. Now, I love this. Your smartphone has become a gateway for you to be able to have audiobooks for free or download books to read as you wish. Because now, think about how libraries are adapting to the fact that people don't come in like they used to to check out, to browse the shelves. Browse the shelves? Yeah. And pick out what they want to read. Now... You can use apps that will allow you to use lending libraries for free. The Libby app, L-I-B-B-Y, is the one that seems to be the most thorough. And for people who are retired who live in more than one place and therefore can join more than one library system, it gives you the ability to have like a central lending thing where you can request a book and you can try, let's say there's a book you want to read or a book, audio book you want to hear. It's not available for lending right now. And let's say you live in Florida during the winter and Midwest or Northeast and the rest of the year. And you got these two library systems, you're able to integrate them right with the app, right on your phone, And when it becomes available, they let you know. And you're able to read that thing. And so I love this idea. As no one ever would have imagined, even six or seven years ago, that people would routinely read books on their phone. But today, as screen sizes are getting larger and larger, Like, I use a six-inch screen phone. So reading things long form isn't a hassle, isn't a problem. And you can make the type bigger if you want to do that. And then the audio books, how great, because you can download them if you have the space on your phone and then play them at will. 
be on a long car trip where you don't necessarily have good cellular signal and play that book, that audio book, as you go on your trip. I love this. Again, Libby, L-I-B-B-Y, is the one that is the best-known source, the easiest to use for you to download those books. Jay joins us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Jay. Hello there, Clark. How you doing? I'm doing great. I wanted to personally uh, thank you for your help over the radio and your website and people that work for you at Clark.com. Um, I wasn't involved in any Ponzi scheme like you talked of earlier, but I'd say for the last 30 years, I wasted so much time and money with smaller broker-dealers where they, uh, they get your money and forget about you. You know, they're glad to get your money. They, they set up your accounts, and then you might hear from them once a year, and then you might not. But then about a year and a half ago, I uh, started listening to you and started doing my research and becoming more actively involved in my own investing. And learned a heck of a lot um, from your website. I read a lot of books by John Bogle from Vanguard. And uh, I found out that going with larger investment brokers uh, saved me half on fees. And also, uh, surprisingly, I received much better customer service with more investment options from from Fidelity, who I went with. Um, Isn't that just so nice? That yeah. that you uh, you've learned from that. Now the Bogleheads, as they call the people that are big John Bogle people, would be very upset with you that you didn't then invest with Vanguard. Uh huh. But wherever it is that works for you, and Fidelity is a great company. But what I'm so excited about is how you're taking charge, taking control, and getting involved in what goes on with your investments. Right. Right. And the bigger firms, surprisingly, were much more helpful than the smaller firms I was with before. Uh, you would think the opposite would happen, but every time I call in, I mean, and, and it's not just uh, Fidelity, Fidelity, Vanguard, and Schwab. They're very similar, and they're all excellent. They all offer robo-advisors. They offer lower fees. They offer lots of investment options. And I just want to go out in public and scream at the top of my lungs uh, for what I learned. But uh, it's, it's just, I'm excited about it, but I wish I, w- I wish I would have learned what I know now. And 25. how are you building the investments with your Fidelity account? Are you relying on the robo-advisory to come up with how you allocate, or how are you splitting your money out? How did you make that decision? Well, good, good question. Um, I decided to, to approach it from a variety of angles, which is another advantage of going with one of the bigger broker-dealers because they don't care which direction you head in. They, they, help, you, they help you in any direction you want to go in. But uh, I'd say maybe a third of my portfolio is in a robo-advisor account, and then a, about a third of my portfolio is in uh, a 403B account with Fidelity. And then I believe, yeah, third, of, and then the other third is with a um, the portfolio advisory services they call it, where it's more human interaction. Got it. So a little bit of variety with the different ways I set it up, and I love, I love the idea of the robo advisor with low fees and 
um, just everything's so professional. Um, I just didn't experience that before. And the other thing is with the bigger broker dealers, you have a team of people that are there looking at your investments, watching it over, helping you out with things instead of just a couple, a handful of people at, at the smaller firms. And I'm not trying to knock the smaller firms. It's just, it's just my experience. Well, you know, what's interesting about what you're saying is that in banking, the bigger a financial institution the worse the service gets. It deteriorates terribly. But yeah, with yeah. the investment community, the largest firms tend to be able to have the level of sophistication and technology and systems that they're able to serve people extremely efficiently and per- and amazingly, in many ways, personally, at very low cost. Yeah, yeah. I'm saving half on fees. I was paying over 2% of my portfolio per year, and I'm, I'm down to about 1%. Um, Which, over the years, is going to make a big difference for you, Jay. It's going to uh, give you a much larger return over the long haul. And I'm so glad you took time to share. I'm also so impressed with how methodical you've been with how you have chosen your investment strategies, and how you're doing your allocation. Continued success to you. John joins us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, John. Hi, Clark. Thanks for taking my call. My pleasure. John, you're interested in buying new wheels. Uh, different wheels. My my car is at the point where I think the wheels are, are going to fall off or at least not be worth replacing. Uh-oh. How old is your current car? Uh, it's about 10... 10 or 11 years old. Well, isn't that fantastic? Because I mean, it's hung in there for a long time. Yeah, I mean, you've done so much for your wallet by driving it so long. How many miles do you have on it? Uh, about 180,000. Great. And over those 180,000 miles, how many major repairs have you had to do? Well, it was used when I bought it, and there were a couple of big repairs about halfway through that I hadn't expected. But at that point, it seemed like the lifespan of the car would be worth, you know, getting the the engine mounts replaced and the seals replaced because those were one-time things. But the more recent repairs that that seem on the horizon don't don't look like they're going to hang in there much longer. So it's time. I, I think it is, but I, I, I'm still determined not to go the, the new car lot route. Um, but I'm wondering, in the past, I've bought cars from individuals and just used my personal opinion of them as to whether it seemed like the car was maintained and a good investment. But everybody talks so highly of CarMax, and I think there's another one like CarMax that just isn't as common in my area. But the Carvana? deal. Carvana is probably the other one you've been hearing about, C-A-R-V-A-N-A. Okay, I'll write that down. So so I'm just wondering, I always assumed that they were just uh, another take on a used car lot with a little friendlier packaging, but a lot of people really seem to, to stand by them. I, I see their logo on a lot of cars being driven on the road, which you know seems like happy customers. So I'm wondering what what your opinion is on one of those lots as opposed to an individual. So when you buy from an individual, you just, I mean, you're on your own. 
you will get a lower price on a vehicle buying from an individual. But you have a couple of things to concern yourself with. One, if the individual still has a loan on the vehicle, doing the process right that you get clear title is important. And two, I say the second thing applies whether you buy from CarMax, Carvana, an individual, a traditional dealer, anywhere, you got to have a vehicle inspected by a mechanic unless you have prior history as an auto mechanic. That now, the does, cars, does, a, does, a CarMax, does a CarMax kind of place allow you to take the car away and have it checked out? Beyond great question. The, the way it works at CarMax and Carvana is both of them give you the right to return the car for a full refund, no questions asked. For a period of time, I'm trying to remember, it's five or seven days. And during that time period, that's when you can have it inspected. How much of my money do they have for that week? They got all of it. I mean, you buy so the car to, like you would. buy the car. Sorry? I have to actually buy the car in that situation. You buy the car. You take it back to them if it turns out to be junk. And they give you your money back. No questions asked. But what, what, I, what, what have you heard their track record to be as far as people finding out they've gotten junk? I have had only one complaint. CarMax has been around since, was it, 1980s? I think I've had one complaint about somebody buying a, a piece of junk from them in all those years. And they're grading they themselves on a curve. That. The reason is that the difference with CarMax and Carvana, and you should look at both of them, is they have strict criteria for what cars can end up in their inventory. And if they buy a car at auction and then it doesn't check out with them, it's done. And CarMax is five days that you can take a car back. I think Carvana is seven. Yeah, it is seven. So uh, the unhappiness is very rare because they do that up front. Now, let me tell you something about Carvana that's crazy. Carvana sells their cars to people who buy them overwhelmingly on their phone, sight unseen. Can you imagine? Amazing. I've, I've heard of people buying cars on eBay, uh, especially, you know, classic cars and, you know, old Mustang type cars. Um, but I've, I've never known anyone to, to come out of that and... Yeah, I've never known anybody to do that. Is, is that is that considered a recommended practice? Well, <laughs> it it doesn't it doesn't fit the way I think, but it it's crazy because since Carvana's been around, which I guess is three years, I've had only a single complaint from somebody who bought one from them. So I think both of them work so hard to make sure the vehicles on their lots are okay to start with that they really don't generate. A lot of complaints. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. 
Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget, giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's time for Ask Clark. That's where our producer, Joel, asks a question that you posted at Clark.com. Joel, who's up? Clark, Tony's up. He says, do you use auto pay for any of your personal bills? Yes, I do. Uh, but only where I control it from my standpoint. So in my bill pay service, there are certain bills that I pay that are routine that are the same amount every month that I set up to pay from my bill pay. But if someone accepts credit cards, I will do auto pay with a credit card because my rates are much better preserved with a credit card. I only do it with my bill pay service if I can't use a credit card. Now, that is different than allowing a business to come in and automatically draft from your account. That is dangerous, does not preserve your rights, and I never allow a business to auto-draft from my account. All right, Colleen wants to know what credit cards can be used internationally without being charged foreign transaction fees. I have great news for you as the result of a lawsuit that consumers won overwhelmingly, credit card companies now have to disclose to you if they charge you foreign currency junk fees. And so as a result, there's a wide variety of cards available that charge no foreign currency transaction fees. Uh, the, the first one that did it in a big way was Capital One. And now Chase has a bunch of their cards that charge no foreign currency junk fees. American Express that you would expect would not be charging foreign currency transaction fees. Most American Express cards do charge a very heavy foreign currency junk fee. So with any issuer, you very well may find a card available from them that charges no junk fees, and it's disclosed if you go shop for a card at any of the websites of card issuers, you'll see it there. So that's an easy way for you to be able to avoid the foreign currency junk fees. Most credit unions, by the way, with their credit cards, don't charge foreign currency junk fees either. You're listening to The Clark Howard Show. I want you to know that I appreciate so much that you've just tuned into our podcast, that you had faith in the information and advice you get. You want more information from us? One of the best ways to get Clark Smart is with our free newsletters, Clark Daily, Clark Deals, and Travel Escape. Sign up now. You'll be able to unsubscribe at any time if you think I'm wasting your time. Go to clark.com newsletters.